Welcome to the JK Has a Cool Shirt and Marcus Dawson podcast. Today we're going to talk about uh, preventive burnout, Mr. Beast strategies, and uh, lots of things. So let's start with the question somebody asked in Slack. You gave a good answer relating to Mr. Beast when somebody asked you, Marcos, my engagement sucks. My tweets get no likes. What do I do? Marcos, what is someone doing? So the first thing I look at when, when somebody has an engagement problem is what are you saying that is different than everybody else in your niche and in your industry? Like what is your unique perspective on it? What is the personality coming behind? What is your message? What is your actual mission, right? If you go to like for you, like 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 tactically. So there's a lot of ghostwriters, right? How do, how are you different? What are you doing? Right. Right. So like for me, and this is kind of how I pretty much got my first jump um, of success in, in the ghostwriting industry is Everybody in my niche talks about writing and the disappear for six months and become unrecognizable, monk mode, all sorts of stuff, like move to Latin America. Like this is like the common theme that you see in like ghostwriting. And then they come out with an info product and all this stuff. Everybody's talking about writing in their content. So I was like, why is nobody talking about monetizing when everybody's talking about growth and writing and copywriting and all this stuff? I'm like, why is nobody talking about making money? So I just differentiated myself by essentially taking all the principles that I learned from the writing and the growth and just talking about making money with it, which crazy, but nobody was doing it yet. Right. So that's how I differentiate myself. And I think a big way you differentiated yourself is like saying cash. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's, I just, it was, I didn't like the flow, you know, I didn't, I didn't like it. It, it just felt uncomfortable. Every time I, you know, I had them Molina letters. They were, and you can access them for free on the website, but they were for 18 months straight. I wrote, I want to say maybe like 15 tweets, every tweet, uh, not like every, like 15 tweet analysis, what I mean. Every tweet analysis had like three exercises and I gave you other ideas. You could easily create one month's worth of content with just that letter, the PDF. And I did it for 18 months straight. And every time I did it, it felt like wrong because I knew I wasn't making money. And I don't know, I just didn't, I just didn't like it. And um, sometimes, like, I think it's just as easy as doing what nobody else is doing. We, I want to relate it to fitness because we, we had a coach's call the other day, which I thought was really interesting. The guys that were having the most success on fitness, this, this is cool. So they weren't niching down on a who. They were niching down on a what. So fitness coaches were going to niche down on uh, and this applies to any niche, but they could niche out on by category, by how much money they make, what what industry they're in. Whereas what these guys that were really winning, they categorized by like the fitness aspect of it. More like this guy fixes knees, whatever, you know, uh, echelon of cash you're making. How do you say this in a, in a non-shitty way? Uh, social uh, cast, whatever. Anyway, however much you make, you're, you're, you can relate to that. Or the other guy was just helping people about running because apparently there's like this huge cult about running. You're part of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I left the cult. I was in it for like three months. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you can't, it, it's too hot to run where you are right now. Like it would make sense oh, yeah. in New York or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. But like the people who were really winning, they were initiating that on a who, but on a what, on a problem, not a person. And to me, that was really interesting. That was kind of a pattern I recognized. Yeah. I do think that's true. I think. And something I, I say in my in my mission statement or in a lot of sales calls is I just I think everybody's looking for their people and they want to feel heard. 
And I think a lot of reasons people resonate with likes and cash is because they literally get likes, but they don't get cash. And they're like, huh, you're right. Likes ain't cash, right? So that's kind of how it works with the knee guy, right? It's like, everybody's like, I see there's so many fitness coaches, but where's the fitness coach that helps people with bad knees? They feel heard. They're like, wow, finally. It's like, you're the second coming. You're Jesus Christ of knees. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're not everything. You're not something to everyone. You're everything to someone. I like that. Boom. Yeah. It's a good short form. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got it from, <laughs> I got it from Jack Butcher. A lot of these things I always like, I think about like, how, like how many times a day do you use tweets in a normal conversation? To me, it's like at least like three. Like I always like embed a tweet in the conversation. You know what I mean? The worst is when you try to make a reference to like a Twitter thing and then you're with a normal person who's not on Twitter all day and they don't understand it. And you're like, anyways. Yeah. Like soy. It's like, yeah. oh, that's so soy. What do, what do you mean? That's like, they, they just didn't get like, oh, that's so based. Yeah, well, like before that was a thing, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, which by the way, Twitter trends are like way ahead of its time. Like people are catching up, like Adjutate was on Twitter fucking five years ago, right? Yeah. And he was like huge on Twitter. People loved him off wooden. That was his ad. I remember that still. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's, let's go on the next one. So, oh, another one. So they told you my auto DMs were not hitting. I didn't know what to do. He gave a good example on Mr. Beast that I want to elaborate on. So you start and then I'll chip in. Yeah, yeah. So someone asked, um, essentially it's a content question, but specifically they're doing a giveaway on Twitter and it wasn't hitting like it used to. Um, and then they wanted to blame the algorithm. And my favorite quote from Mr. Beast that's recent is just anytime you say the word algorithm, just replace it with the word audience because it's not about what the algorithm likes, it's what people like. And if people no longer like something that's working, you need to move on and get something else that's working and then stick to that until it stops working and then so on. And you just kind of do that infinitely. And I love that. Mr. I love that. Mr. Angry that my audience. Yeah, yeah. You just like a strike through. And, you know, Mr. Beast is the, the goat at this. I mean, I remember, man, I'm, I'm so glad we had two takes on this because now I can do much better. But I remember watching Mr. Beast when he did saying or he would say it's every day bro which is like jake paul's song he would just say watch it over and over for like 10 hours then he would just say the word like logan paul non-stop logan paul logan paul logan paul for a hundred like a hundred hours straight or something he did that and he rode that wave that's what he got him his initial fame and he would do the stupid challenges where he was cut he cut a you probably don't even know this he cut a plastic table like a fold-out table with a plastic knife it took him like a hundreds of classic knives because the knives kept dulling and they cut through a whole table in half so they he started like that then the next phase of Mr. Beast is getting into these almost like um, David Blaine, the magician, like these like life threatening. And I'm probably missing a bunch of steps, but the life threatening things like I spent 100 days under, or 100 hours underground, 100 hours underwater, 100 hours on an island alone. You know what I mean? He did all that. Then it was like last to leave the circle wins 100 grand. Last to leave the island leaves 100 grand. Last to take their hand off the jet wins 100 grand. He did that. And then the, the, this new phase is like, a $1 hotel room versus a $1 million yacht or a $1 million hotel room, a $1 yacht versus a million dollar yacht. And he kind of goes through all these money phases. So you see how he does them in packages. He finds a new trend. He's like that hit. I'm going to do that again. And he'll just do it again and he'll dry it out. And then he'll move on to the next one. That's how he's always a step ahead of everyone, but he's never like, Oh, my cutting tables in half stopped working the algorithm. You know what I mean? It's what people want. People get bored of your shit, but he rides it until people are bored. Right. He kind of dry. Like he rings it out first. So same thing with content, like ring it out and then jump to the next things. And this is how you stay ahead of your competition. Cause by the time somebody copies you, 
you've already moved on to the next thing. Yes, yes. People can copy the tree, but they can't copy the roots. You know, like, and if you're always looking for new things, you will you will find those kind of things. I like to expand even more on what you just said because I, I love that. And it's also that Mr. Beast did it by trends, but he also did it by levels. And I recorded a Loom video, which, by the way, my most popular Loom video to date was named, this is the last video I will ever make for small accounts. That's what I call it. And I ended with, please do not ask me this question again. Thank you. No call to action. I was just like tired of it. But the, the question was, how do you grow an account, right? So this is the only and last time I'm going to answer this. But to me, it's you lead a, you grow an account with value. But before you go, hop off this podcast in your layer, you're really me, telling me to bring value to the table. Let me elaborate on this. So value, let's go to the definition of it uh, by Jack Witcher. I love this. And I love, I love Jack's stuff. He's like my, my favorite guy. But he says this value uh, comes in three levels. It's first, you do what people don't do like mow logs. Then you do what people can't do, like get other, uh, do you do what other people won't do, like are not willing to do? You're not willing to like organize somebody that'll mow your lawn and also clean your stuff and make it look pretty. So you do what people won't do. And the third level is you do what people can't do, which is start like a loan, loan company, like a lawnmower company. That's even in like landscaping. Like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Hedges. Go to the, to the next level. Exactly. Designer hedges, yeah. So in, in content, I feel like you start with what people don't do, then you do what people won't do, and at the end you graduate to what people can't do. So I'll give you an example. Uh, what do most people not do? They can, but they just, they just don't. Tweet advice. Everybody can listen to advice on YouTube and tweet about it. That's like the lower level. But I was going over what some editors uh, on YouTube, because there's a lot of editors nowadays, it's like this this trend people are writing. The ones that got like immediate jobs, the ones that were like, everybody was like, yeah, this guy's the guy. They didn't just give advice and say, hey, I can do your videos. They actually took the risk, re did the video, edited it, and then gave it to them. Like they took a week worth of work. And if they didn't respond, well, one week's worth of work didn't, wasn't going to work. And you could argue they would learn the skills and whatever. But anyway, it was a big risk they, they incurred. Most people were not willing to do that. So that's why they got the job and others not. That's why they were more valuable and others not, because they put the work up front. They did what people were not willing to do. And because they did those two things, those two levels, then they could do what people cannot do, which is work at the bit those. So Mr. Beast relating it to, like bringing it full circle. First, he did what people don't do. Like, can you say Logan Paul a hundred thousand times? Yes. Yeah. Fuck that. You know, it's not going to happen. Right. So yeah. he did it. Other people did it. Now, what were you not willing to do? I'm not spending fucking a hundred hours in the desert. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend a hundred hours buried. Not going to happen. Right. Yeah. And then he did what people can't do, which is give away half a million dollars in cash. So to answer the question, how do you grow? You start from the bottom, what people don't do, and then you go out to the top. Me, I was a ghostwriter, and I can argue I'm having a podcast with another ghostwriter, and I say, do not hire ghostwriters. But anyway, back to the example. Yeah, it's, yeah, because you're different in your good, right? You're actually competent. But anyway, uh, I tweeted, here, here's, an, here's, a, here's something that some people don't know. I tweeted 20,000 times before I got my first ghostwriter client. 20,000. I put 20K reps. 
I had 14,000 followers when I got my first client. So what does that tell you? Like when it comes to service, first I did what people don't do. Can you tweet 20,000 times? Yeah. But like it's 20,000, right? And then I, I did what people were not willing to do. Like people won't do. I, I was willing to learn the platform. I was willing to schedule the tweets. I was learning the thing. People were not willing to do that. And then I did what people couldn't do, which is I got to 14,000 followers. And if my client didn't get good tweets, I would just retweet the shit out of him until, you know, he got results, right? He couldn't do that, but I could, right? So you work your way up. And I think that's what Mr. Beast did. That's what you did. That's what I did. And when I saw that pattern by Jack Butcher, it really made sense. That's funny. I had 20,000 tweets before I got my first. You should have been really? Oh yeah, I had Twitter since 2011, so I've I've been like this has been like my favorite app for basically 11 years before I actually used it for business. <laughs> I kind of already say long. I just was I always just used it for memes. <laughs> like I used it for sports and jokes, <laughs> so that's why I understand like the meme game and stuff, you know. I like it. Well, I was a reply guy. That oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, see. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's keep going. So, um, oh, let's go over Quinn's tweet. You send me Quinn's tweet, and uh, Quinn is my editor, somebody I really respect, and I still tell him, bro, we need to get you on the podcast. So, Quinn, come to the podcast, okay? But you had you sent me a tweet from him that I think was really cool. So let's talk about that. Yeah, underrated tweet is you know essentially it was he he quoted a video of Kanye West talking to and. Respectfully, I don't remember the guy's name, but he's a legend in music. And the guy was saying to Kanye West, um, you know, if you sound like somebody else, you can't put that on the album, right? If that could, or he said, if that can't, if that could be on somebody else's album, then it's, it's Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. He said, if that could be on somebody else's album, like, then it's not good, right? So the point is, and what Quinton was saying is that people don't have a unique perspective on a lot of things that they make content about. And that's, that's their big issue. And, it's just, it really resonated with me, and I feel like it didn't get enough traction, like the traction it deserved, but I instantly sent it to you, and I bookmarked it. Um, and it clicked, like, immediately after seeing that, I was like, man, I really just want to start tweeting what I feel about things. Like, I don't want to sound, I don't ever want to sound corporate. I don't want to ever do anything that's because it works, quote-unquote, because it's, like, what it works, or because it's what's right, quote-unquote, what's right. And we'll talk about this later with nuance, but, and, and I have an example of this is... Um, I'm getting my website redone and I'm doing a VSL for it, right? And the CRO answer to my VSL was to do it the exact way that everybody else do it, does it. But I wanted to, like, I've just had this vision of including this 1994 Batman transition in my VSL. Like, it's actually, like, I've just it's had the vision. I can't get it out of my head. And my VSL guy, who is an absolute G, he, he totally is a CRO freak. And I get it. It sucks for him because I'm, I just overrided him. I'm, I vetoed him. He gave me both copies one with it what one with and one without what the point is that i put the batman transition in there because i like the batman transition and it's what makes my company my company my company is my company because i go against the grain and i'm going to keep doing that until you know it doesn't work anymore so we put it in um long story short i could have just had a vsl like the normal cookie cutter vsl formula like everybody else every other agency but i don't want to do that and i think that's part of quinn's tweet it's just like people don't have a unique perspective and they don't want to like they don't stand out because they don't have anything unique to say about it or they are too robotic. It's all about A-B testing, which is something I really I wanted to cover too. Uh, like, y did you know that Steve Jobs gave 
Google Shade. Uh, he insulted them very often. And one of the things he said was, Google's all about like numbers and uh, analytics. They will split test this blue against another blue. Well, if you split test two blues, why not split test a thousand blues or a million blues, right? Just make it the best it could be. And he said, at some point, these companies forgot that it's not all about numbers. It's also about taste. It's also about taste. And I love that. I thought that was so cool because like that is, you can't outsource taste. You can't teach taste. I love and that. It's so sick. I loved it too. And uh, it's so like when he, they were bringing an iPad to him, I think I talked about this before, but he would put the iPad on the thing and there were like two options to choose a keyboard. He would like analyze the iPad for like, like a long time, dead quiet. He would see it. Right. And then no numbers, no calculations, no analytics. He would just say, I think we should go with this one just because it had better taste. Like he had that thing with them and he could have split tested it, but he did it because he trusted his intuition and his own self more than the numbers. And is that a stupid strategy? Is that the best strategy? Well, some people fail with it. Some people succeed with it. Which one works for you, right? I know you like Sam Ovens. Sam Ovens is very numbers-based, right? Personally, I like more uh, like Brunson, right? He's also like a lot of like taste-based as well. So it depends. What do you want to do? There's many ways to score a goal. Yeah, I like that. There's many ways to score a goal. Famously, Aryan Robin, Netherlands would score the same goal over and over and over and over and over. And it's like he, nobody could stop him. And I think you could do that in business. And I think that's what Russell Brunson has done. I think he does the same click funnels over and over and over with all different topics. Now he has a supplements company, if you didn't know. So, um, like Russell Brunson, supplements company, no fucking way. Yeah, he just launches a supplement company with classic funnel that he's run with for like 10, 20, 30 other products. And just nobody can do it like him. Like he just, it's try. he is the Aryan Robin of business. He just does the same thing over and over and it always works and he it just copy paste to any business it's crazy yeah because it's it right you, you can yeah. copy you can copy the fruit you can't copy the roots um yeah let's go let's let's shift gears a little bit i did an experiment this week that i wanted to talk about i was so anxious uh, on twitter because you know how it's the you know as entrepreneurs what holds us back is Beliefs, traits, and skills. There was one belief that really held me back, but beliefs is that top one. It's the one that holds you back the most. And I realized, and this may, a lot of people may not like this, but I realized that my favorite accounts didn't play the game like I played the game, which was like the direct response Twitter game. Auto-retweet yourself. Do these auto-DMs, uh, which if you don't know what an auto-DM is, it's like and comment this and I'll send you something. So it's like an automation. Uh, auto-retweeting yourself, commenting on other big accounts. Um, what else? Like tweeting 10 times a day, right? And I realized my favorite accounts don't do it this way. So what I did was for two weeks, I said, I'm going to run an experiment. I'm going to do what they do and stop playing that direct response Twitter game. Meaning no auto-retweets, no scheduling, no weekly threads, no auto DMs, no giveaways, no threads, just like what I was building. Because I, I don't like how the interactions tend to be in that side of Twitter. If you look at what our interactions are, our side of Twitter, like the response, it's like, did you see what this, how much engagement he got? Did you see how much money he made? 
the other side of Twitter interactions are, did you see what he shared? It was interesting. Did you see that article? I liked it. And I thought, like, why am I not playing that game? Why didn't I try it? So for two weeks, I stopped retweeting myself. I stopped doing the threads. I stopped doing the giveaways. And uh, I'm, I'm here to uh, like come back with the results because I stopped doing the advice that I did for the longest time. So here are the results. Lead flow's up. Sales are up. Engagement's up. And my own co-founder was like, JK, your content is way better. Because if I don't have anything cool to say, I didn't force it. Like, if I could just tweet one long tweet every week, but it's like really, really good and concise, I'm going to do that still. Naval has a quote. You will be remembered by your best work and followed by your average. So I'm like, why not try to make everything really good? You know, instead of going like like uh, a machine gun approach, why not just go this sniper approach and make something that meets my standards? Because I read my own tweets and I was like, reading my own tweets didn't feel enjoyable. It felt like I was asking, asking, give me attention. Like, like is as if I needed my audience more than, more than like they needed me. Like, they could feel my neediness. And I hated that aspect of it. So I'm like, I'm just going to create for myself. And right? I'm just going to do my thing for myself. And actually, engage myself. Uh, maybe I can pull it off because I'm a bigger account. But just wanted to report to you guys that if you feel that uncomfortable feeling of, I'm pushing too much. I don't like the strategies. I don't like what's doing to my name. You can stop playing that game and you will be fine because people actually like that. You know what I think? I think it works really well for you, especially because I think your old account was fish bait. And I think your current and what you just did is much more whale bait. Um, I think to catch fish, to be literal, you need, you know, tiny bait, tiny hook, right? And you just need a lot of them. You need more volume to catch. Because like if a whale is a thousand pounds and a fish is one, you need a thousand fish to catch up to that one whale. But for you, you're putting out more curated approach, a giant hook, right? With more curated bait to catch one whale. Um, and I feel like that's where, I feel like that's the big shift. And I have noticed too, even the quality, like within tweets and clients, it's like the, the what's the average follower count on tweets and clients? 31K followers. 31k followers right with with the high end being hundreds of thousands um to catch those kinds of people the content must be very different to catch someone at 3,000 followers right so i think that's another reason that it works so well for you um in general that's just like by two cents don't you think that it, it's better to just do it that way since the beginning yeah like have that really high high density because i don't know man it's just it just felt so cheap person yeah i just felt like it was so cheap auto retweeting myself and like what what like ever in the history of ever when have you had a tweet that's like it performed okay but after you auto retweeted you it went viral never it doesn't fucking happen like that that would never happen I, at most yeah. it gets a few more likes but like is it worth it really it's, like do you want that it's interesting because i'm like in the i do like kind of in the middle like i won't really i don't really write threads I write like a thread a month as thread every two weeks kind of thing. They're very, I write, I'm sniper with my threads. Um, my tweets are very systematic, but I just, I, I, I tweet so much shit just like on the daily of what I'm thinking where it's like, it has your approach where it's more so curated stuff. Like I would like to be, I would like to enjoy my account and I know the accounts that I enjoy just post what they're thinking like off the rip. Right. So that's how I post. But I don't really do the threads because I don't enjoy really reading threads. Um, 
but I have lost yeah. my reach. Yeah, they, good, good point. What was the last yeah. time you read a Twitter thread? Good point, yeah. Well, this is what I think, but this is what I'm saying. Is I love Twitter threads when I was zero to zero to 5K because that would, to me, I was just like, that, like, JK's thread, like, let me read this, let me implement it. JK's thread, let me read this, let me implement it. JK's auto GM, boom. Checklist, boom, implemented. Like, without you doing that, I would not be where I am today. I would not be where I am today if you didn't auto DM that checklist and write that thread about likes versus cash and write that thread about writing hooks, right? Like if you didn't do that for me, I wouldn't be here. So if you were fishing for people like me still, it would be good. But I don't think you're fishing for like people like me anymore. I feel like that ship has sailed and you've kind of moved up the ladder. I think you're really helpful to people with big, large audience that need to monetize. Yeah, it's because ever since the beginning, you were never needy. So, which I, I really, I really like that about you. Like, uh, ever since you had like 3,000 followers and you were making no money, you're still the same guy you are today. And I'm willing to bet you're still going to be the same guy like when you're a decamillionaire. It's, it's, it's all going to be like the shit post, horrible tasting t shirts, Marcos. You know, it's that, that's just never going to change. Let's, <laughs> let's talk then. Let's, let's talk, let's talk, uh, how money changed you. <laughs> how do you think? Do you think, uh, how do you feel like with or with and before at $250 a month as a VA versus now? Do you feel that your mental, your psychology has changed, like the way you approach things on a day to day or the way you make financial decisions? Not, not really, but, uh, it's, it's opened up how I think about how people make decisions. I was always kind of in tune with, with my, with how I did it, like. I always knew I was going to have some amount of money, right? So I, I don't know. I just I just knew it. But ever since I started, I didn't have any problems taking risks. Like, I was making $250 a month, right? And I was still, you know what? Uh, to my parents, I'm like, you know what, guys? I, I'm going to pay for my gas, right? Don't worry about it. And if it's like people are like worrying about like the, um, uh, what do you call it when you give money to someone, but you give them more than what it was and they give you money back? Uh, the change, the change. The, no, the change. Yeah. So, like, if people were messing about the change at the restaurant, I'm like, you know what, guys? Right. It's like, I got it. Or the over over fair split, I'm like, guys, we're, we're so similar. Shut up, right? you like, you don't need that, right? Hey, it always had that. Yeah. And to me, in, in business, it's like, it's kind of the same. I haven't, I haven't changed much, but I've made the mistake of assuming other people have that same thing because I know that if I lose everything, I can make it all back. Right, but I realized like so people like were didn't have that so much. So that that really opened up my eyes to I really need to be more careful with the advice I give. Because if I gave them the advice I would give to myself, just just take the risks and trust your ancient instinct that if you're sleeping, you know, below a bridge, you're gonna be fine anyway. You can't give that advice. So I was I became my risk tolerance didn't change. What changed was how careful I was of giving other people advice because I understood that difference. I just tweeted recently. I was like, I think I've become, because I'm the same way, especially even when I had zero dollars. Like I'd never, I would, as much as I could, I would deny any money that was given to me. And I've never really cared about when people didn't Venmo request me for like food. And if we were splitting the bill, I'm just like, whatever, like it's. I don't really care if it's 50-50, like 48-52, who cares, right? It's not that important. But now I feel like I, I'm not 
I, that hasn't changed, but I do feel a little bit more frugal. And I, I tweeted it and I was like, I feel like the more money I make, the more protective I've become of it. Maybe like a, some sort of instinct. Like I feel like I have something to lose now. Whereas when I had nothing to lose, I was like, fuck it. <laughs> like zero minus zero. <laughs> yeah. You, you ever miss it though? Um, you ever, think- you ever miss that hunger? I, at the moment, I don't because I've already went through the get, making it all and losing it all once. Um, like in crypto, I made basically a quarter million dollars and then I pretty much lost almost all of it. So I Wait, it all. Why, how'd you lose it? Uh, just day trading, flipping NFTs, buying. Uh, I put like so much money in DeFi, like all sorts of stuff. And I made it and then I lost it. And then. Okay, so what, what, was there like, was it like a little by little or was there well, like, well, one yeah, big investment uh, that just, you just fucked it away? No, luckily I didn't have the one big, I'm not an idiot. Like I am pretty good, but I just basically made a lot of small bets thinking that if I make a lot of, so my, my, my thinking was if let's say I had 200 grand and I make 10, 20 K bets, one of them's going to, you know, hundred X or something. None of them did. Like I put 20 K into an Amazon Amazon automation store. I put 20K into DeFi. I put 20K into this project. Like, I did cash out enough to survive. Like, I lived in New York City, right? <laughs> I cashed out enough to survive, but I lost a lot of money. Just, I thought making small bets, if I 100X one of them, I'll be a millionaire. None of them 100X, they all zeroed. So I lost, I lost it all. And then that kind of got me to the point where now it's like, I'm not stupid. So, like, I don't, I'll never lose it all ever again. You know what I mean? Yeah, you you kind of learn to to trust yourself. I, yeah, let's go to the next one, Marcus. How do you grow a newsletter on Twitter? <laughs> That's funny. Um, you know, it's interesting. Is is like how's that working for you? By the way, when you're like joining the birdhouse for more insights, yeah, you well, load that when a tweet has a certain amount of likes. You know, I've noticed that I get constant growth. That's like I use my auto plugs, so plugging my newsletter under my my popular tweets. Um, that gets me steady growth and lead magnets get me bursts of growth. So it averages out to about, you know, two to 500 a, a, a week rather anyway, um, two to 500 subscribers a week. So using that strategy has, has been really helpful for me. And I, I like, I think it's important to, to do the plugging, especially if you're doing like a lead magnet, because with a lead magnet, you have to, they're going to be expecting something similar to the lead magnet. With the plug, they expect more personality. So I've injected kind of a good, happy balance where I give tactics related, like very value driven, like an auto DM, but I also add a lot of personality now where I, I never found that balance. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Cody Sanchez is doing it so well and uh, Ben Mears doing it really well. And I, I just, it, they're really, it, it's like one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of. How do they do it? Do you have any examples? They they post threads and then at the end of the thread they'll they'll plug their newsletter. Um, Contrarian thinking is absolutely massive seven figure newsletter, right? Um, System Sundays I think's one, and there's so many good ones. Uh, Justin Welsh, the Saturday Solopreneur. Um, it's I think the the Contrarian thinking one's like 300k people. It's massive. Oh, it's insane. It's you know that's like a vision I've had for the Birdhouse. Like, and you know as we we both listen to my first millions right two two guys who have just crushed the newsletter game it's like i think the twitter newsletter growth is one of the most still one of the most underrated things that you can take advantage of right now it's it's one of the it's one of the easiest ways to get free growth do you recommend cuz i've seen both approaches people like Caitlin and i'm sorry if i butchered your name bourgeois bourgeois sorry 
and uh, like Justin Welsh, they just say, hey, join for more tips on this. Whereas people like Grammar Hippie, for example, they give out a lead magnet or like Tesh Dosa, he gives a lead magnet. Yeah. And personally, I have seen that people will join more for the more tips on this than the lead magnet itself. That's what I have found. But what have you, you, you know what it is? I think it's, it goes back to what you said about spending time with the audience. So if they just get your lead magnet and they don't ever deal, they never consume any more of your content, then they're just there for the value. But if they get a lead magnet and they also spend a bunch of time with you, they're going to open those emails. And I know this because my best friend, Don Bo, he has a playbook on his on his YouTube channel, right? But he's, he's a live streamer. He's doing four hours a day, every day for years. So all of his email subscribers are from his, his lead magnet, but they're still spending 20 hours a week with him. So they're still opening his emails. Whereas if you just get, if you go get someone's auto DM, you don't even follow the person, right? Like everybody says like plus follow, you could just unfollow after. Like if they're unfollowing you and then moving on, like that's a terrible subscriber. So what's important is one, having enough volume to balance out those auto DMs, but also putting out content that is still valuable to align with what you lead. Like if you put out a chat GPT lead magnet and then you go tweet about freaking fitness, right? Like you're an idiot. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes no sense. But for me, like I've been putting out stuff that's heavily related to Twitter and Twitter case studies, et cetera. And then I put out content related to the exact same thing. And they're spending time with me about the same thing going on a journey to the point where they become a buyer, right? So um, I think of it a lot like a sales process. Yeah, all right, I like it, cool. I What I do, it's also I got it from Paidlin. It's not only autoplugs, but I will actually announce what I'm going to say. So let me, let me, let me read you an example so that we can make it like actually actionable. So for example, I have this one right here where I say, Today, I'm going to do something I promised myself I would never do. It's like, that's a hook, right? I get asked every day, I know you only work with bigger accounts, but what do I do if I have a small account? I'm tired of ignoring this question, so here. I'm sending my answer to my newsletter tomorrow. Link in bio. That link in bio thing, it's been crushing. It's actually been really... Yeah, like Grammar Hippie does it, Caitlin does it, Eddie Kwan does it. Uh, definitely definitely worth, like, worth checking. It's really good. Yeah, I've been just been building it as like a side project. I haven't really monetized it or anything. Um, I'll do like a hand raiser here and there, but you haven't monetized your email list. Uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about email list game. I want to talk about email list game. I have um, I have a few strategies that I do. I if if you want to know, I send emails every day, but I rarely sell on them hard. I will always include something in the PS that's like like that's like a soft sell, because if it's if it's in the PS, then it's it's not that much. And people like people who are in the PS and read all the way through, even if they skip, they at least have some notion of that they kind of like you, right? So it's like, okay, cool. Then then it makes sense. So I will sell in the PSs, and it's the stories that work the best for me when it comes to selling uh, on email. So I don't give out a ton of value on the on the quote unquote sales attempts. But I will give a story of saying, hey, this guy was here, then this guy was there. We installed three things that you can't get without more product. Here's a product, right? And then if you want to join, you can do it here. It's, I'm, not, I'm not telling people to do things because I really want to build you know, the longer-term brand. So I stopped pushing so hard, which is these attempts that I'm trying to do uh, of not pushing too hard, 
not auto retweeting myself, not auto DMing, not not like taking, taking, taking. It's actually more of a longer term play. But so far, I can't tell you what it's done in terms of numbers because it's been so recent. But it just feels so much better. I just feel so much more confident because your favorite account doesn't retweet themselves. Your favorite your favorite account doesn't do auto DMs. Your favorite account probably doesn't hard sell you every time. They build a brand. And um, I just took the risk because sometimes if you have done something for so long, all the inertia doesn't allow you to stop. But I wanted to stop and I wanted to play a bigger game. So that's what I'm doing. And by the way, don't regret it. If you want to do it, go. Go ahead. It's going to change it. I like it. Yeah, man. All right. What else you got? Do you have the list up? Yeah. You don't have the list up? Not anymore. What the fuck? <laughs> You're the list guy. Okay, so... Oh. Nuance. Uh, let's, let's, oh, let's, let's go on this. Okay, so... All right, let's, let's shift the gears a little bit. Let's talk about... Nuance. I love this topic. Nuance is one of my favorite topics. I feel like this is this is an analogy I was thinking of today. So let's say there's like you have a you have like a grid of beliefs, right? It's like a hundred beliefs or like a hundred ways you can use that grid to think. Like that's your thinking capacity, one hundred. But once you hear someone say an absolute and you believe it, then it's like you split that grid in half. So now the 100 you have now is just 50. But then you hear another absolute and you split it in half. Now it's 25. And another, and then it's, let's say, 12, right? So from the 100 possibilities you could have chosen, you could have analyzed, now you only have 12. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're like, for the longest time, you believe that the only way to make money online right now, it's you got to start an agency. Right? So you close yourself to all the other possibilities, e-commerce. You can start a SaaS. You can do other things, right? But it's like now you only do agencies. But then, again, somebody said ghostwriting is the best model. And then you closed it again, and it's got to be that. Same thing happens with, like, the startups, guys. It's like, you know what? Fuck this internet marketer kids. You have to build a billion-dollar company. That's the only way you're going to win. So now you have to build a billion-dollar and it's like, nope, but it's got to be about AI because AI is the future. And two years ago, crypto was the future, right? But that is like, it's got to be this. And to me, it's, this is why I don't like listening to very persuasive people or people who speak in absolutes to me. Like, that's a very big red flag because like, I know that even if their advice is right and totally works, I know they're kind of limiting my capacity to think, and I really don't enjoy this. Like this advice I'm given right now, or this uh, experiment I made, it came because I went out of my sphere of direct response Twitter, and I listened to more to like Sorrow, more like newsletter Twitter, or like other sources. So this is why I'm like, if you have these gurus that speak a lot of absolutes, this is the way it works. This is how it is. This this is, makes complete sense and you can't do anything else. To me, it's a huge red flag and you should be really be careful as in, am I getting better at this thing or am I narrowing my options of what's possible? That's the biggest problem with, in my opinion, like the way to grow right now, like the way that it's, it's more so the more the popular way of the past two years has been speaking in absolutes. 
Um, and this might be in, in general, but I've noticed it specifically with all this red pill stuff. Like it's just everybody's speaking in absolutes and that's why they're getting popular because people feel like they resonate with one side or the other. And it's just, it's just more divisiveness. And it's super ironic because you'll see like these, these people will say, let's just, I'm going to say it, Andrew Tate, right? Like he'll say the government wants to divide you and the government wants to put you up against each other. And then he'll go and say absolutes, like just absolutes about his side. And then it's just, you're just making it divisive on the other side. It's just, you're still on one side, right? And this is why, like you said, I, I'm the same way. I like to listen to people who can one, ask why, and two, just provide nuance to everything because, and the answer, and this is my, a quote, I don't know if it's a quote, but I say it all the time. The answer is almost always somewhere in the middle for almost everything. And the reason I say almost is because, again. Yeah, so we don't contradict ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's like the answer is just almost always in the middle. Like when someone tells you this is the best way to do it, it's they're probably wrong. The, the right thing to say is this is the best way that I've found that it works for me, right? In my experience, and Alex Ramosi does this really well. He says, in my experience, this has worked really well, and it might work for you too. But you see how he speaks in nuances? This is why I resonate with him so much. He says things nuanced. He's like, this is how I want to live my life. This is how I do things. This is what's worked for me. I'm just letting you guys know because you could try it, right? He's not like, this is the best way. You must do calves first. You must only wear shorts that work in the gym and at dinner and everything. You, must, you know what I mean? He doesn't say that. He's not like, you must wake up at four naturally and, and drink coffee. He doesn't say that. He says, that's what works for me. And that's why I resonate with him. And then I resonate with like Sam Ovens, for example, because he always just asks like, but why? Like when someone says something, he just like listens. He'll listen and be like, but why? Right? Like, what, what's an example? I wish I had a good example. And it, I wish I, I'll come back with one. We'll bring this back up for the next episode. Kid, uh, kids, kids are really good at that. They make you see like where you have thought holes. Yeah. Like you will do something and they're like, why? Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's because it's important to make money. They're like, why? Did you have enough? It's like, yeah, but, but more. But why do you want more? And then they just fuck you. It's like, ah, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to say now. Right. Yeah. No. It's the. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a slight example. But for example, like in the school community uh, that Sam Ovens has, someone said that they wanted this feature, and they he didn't give like a ton of context. And then Sam just replies, "Why?" Question mark. And then the guy then has to expand on why he wants a certain feature in depth with his experience. And then he responded. He was like, "Well." What we found that's well, we found that the decision that works best for the most amount of people is that this feature doesn't exist. Blah blah blah. It's actually like this whole school drama, right? But he he essentially just asked why, listened, and then he said the best is whatever works for more than fifty percent of the people is the answer that we're going to go with, right? So yeah, that guy that guy is so mathematical, like he's yeah. so like so cold. Yeah, but it's that was makes it hard maybe to like argue with him. Because well, it's numbers, you can't. And and like for example, like you said, Steve Jobs is like very much he would think about taste and style and like that kind of stuff, intuition. And then the other side is very logical and strategic and mathematic. I don't think either are better. I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think if, you know every situation is different. So uh, I think it's important to know when to apply each in in different situations like obviously so but like by by checking the people you take advice from that that's yeah. like so big okay this is huge so i i've listened to some billionaires advice and it's like i'm not a billionaire but you know like the logic would be if a billionaire says it pay attention right but like bro have you noticed a lot of the billionaires kind of look like lizards like they look like reptiles like legit 
I'll reward the I'm like, I don't I don't want that. You know, like well, you gotta vibe check that advice. Yeah, some jack guys are like, you know, they're jack, they have a better body than me. But you look at them and the the way they speak is just like they're always so defensive. Like, I don't know, I don't know if I want that. So like vibe checking people, are they like actually giving you things that like you resonate with? And if not, then yeah. Then no, like sometimes when I give advice, I I listen to my old thing and it's like I was in a needy place when I said that. So I can see why people would like just unfollow me for that, even though it may have been practical advice. Vibe checking is huge and not enough people are talking about it. Well, I think nuance just doesn't sell. And I think about like the Lambo marketing, right? You have one far side extreme where it's like everybody just makes their whole life about Lambos and luxury and Rolexes and yachts and women and all this stuff. And then you have the other side who's like, oh, that's so materialistic. You don't need any of that for a happy life. Like just go live on a ranch shirtless and do nothing, right? You have both sides and both sides think they're right. But why can't it just be like, I like cars, so I want cars, but I'm not going to shove it in your face. You know what I mean? Like, why can't it just be both? Like, why can't you get a Rolex and then just not be like, you don't have a Rolex, so you're fucking broke. Like, why can't you just own a Rolex and not say, you know what I mean? Like, why can't, the middle doesn't sell. Do you see what I mean? There's there's two sides. <laughs> so let, let, me, let me ask you, what is one, actually, these are two. What is one thing that you have that the Lambo bros would hate? And what is one thing you have that the ranch boys would hate? Oh, so you say, does it have to be the same thing? No, no, it, it it has to be different because one would love it and the other one would hate it. So, uh, yeah, you want to think about it? No, yeah. So, 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 for example, like the ranch bros, right? Like I like to wear like I have like, especially before I moved to Bali, I just didn't have enough space. But I had like four different pairs of Nike Dunks, all four different, just four different colors because I wanted them to match. And I thought it was I just liked it. I grew up I grew up in the sneaker culture. You know what I mean? Uh, so like ranch boys would hate that. Like, I don't need shoes. Like I'm going to wear fucking barefoot shoes and feel my toes suck the grass. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then you have the other side. And then you have the other side. It would be like, <laughs> I only wear custom tailored leather sneakers where people fucking shine it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So that's the thing. <laughs> you have four sneakers, different color of the same kind. So, well, I don't hear, but I have like, I have thousand dollar. I do the have. What the fuck is wrong with you? I had. See, well, that's the thing is, I have a thousand dollar pair of Jordans, but like, the, like, you know what I mean? I like those Jordans. They're fucking cool Jordans. Like, fuck you, suck my dick. All right. Anyways, like, anyways. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Dude. Don't talk to me about frugality yeah. ever again. <laughs> you both. See what I mean? No, see, if you're listening to this podcast, like, JK's like, thousand dollar pair of shoes like fuck that you see what i mean like but like yeah, I, yeah, I, no. I like them <laughs> yeah, we're anyway. shoot this shit. okay well yeah. okay what is one thing that the lambo bros would hate right 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 uh so the lambo bros like <laughs> I, I i so for the lambo bros like i like to i have cotton shorts and i wear birkenstocks and i have like linens and i don't and i'm big on something i care about it's just like non-toxic plastic plastics in my clothes like i'm not like I'm trying to be aware of it. Like I'm, I, do, I am trying to get into that. And I also do think biohacking is cool. Like I like my infrared sauna and I want to do cold plunge. I like that. I like that shit. Like, and then, you know, then you have these, 
guys like the the super hard of fitness like that shit doesn't matter i'm like but i like it relax you know what i mean <laughs> so it's like i could do i'm in the middle you see how i'm in the middle like i have both you know what i mean i have like seven white t-shirts and seven black t-shirts that i pretty much only wear here in bali but um i just like to be in the middle you know i just like do what you like <laughs> All right, good, good, all right, good response. Uh, vulnerability moment. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what's your answer? <laughs> yeah, okay, let me let me try. So, what's my answer to uh, what the what the Lambo Bros would um would hate? So, I don't know. I, I wanna I wanna give an answer to this unrelated to women because that one's like it's gonna be like super controversial like soon. So let me let me think about the other ones. Oh, uh. Yeah, I'll give you one. Like, I don't, I don't wear any underwear. I gotta do that. I'm sobra guy. <laughs> let me, let me explain to you why. Okay, let me. We're gonna go over details here. Okay. So, here's the thing, man. Have you ever, have you ever tried it? It just go without underwear. Like, just, just not do it, bro. Like, it's uncomfortable for like, for like five seconds, and then. Your life doesn't change except for the upside that now you don't have to wash it, you don't have to prep shit, and you don't just you just don't need to worry about it. It's zero downside to not wearing underwear. And I'm not shitting you, man. This is this is incredible. It's great. I love it. And uh so that's one. And maybe one that um so the farmers would like that. Right? Let me no the um, I guess the bros would, would like that. Right? You know what the bros wouldn't like? The Lambo bros wouldn't like. So I do wear, and uh, this is such a poetry thing, but I do wear a fanny pack. If you can see the YouTube recording, I, I wear a fanny pack everywhere I go. It's so convenient. Me too. So, me too. Yeah, it's, it's great. So on my fanny pack, I got I got my toothpicks. I got like uh, like floss. I got my cigarettes and um, aspartame. So the oh, the farmers wouldn't like that. I put Splenda on my shit. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, it's just so thing. I didn't even think of it because it's become it's it's just so ingrained in my life. I have a hundred and twenty dollars. My <laughs> all my boxes are from MeUndies and they were a hundred and twenty dollars for ten pairs. And all of my socks are Bombas, which were also like a hundred dollars for ten pairs. Oh, good. So I I have about two hundred. I have over two hundred dollars worth of socks and underwear, and I just wear the same the same brand every day because they're so comfortable. Try it. Try it. That's my challenge. You know, Danny Miranda challenged me to JK. You should totally meditate and you should like reach your inner self. I'm gonna challenge you to stop wearing underwear for a week and tell me if you have yeah. any difference. It changes nothing, really. Then, Try it. Well, that's the thing is by me undies, I don't feel like I'm wearing any anyway. Yeah, that's bullshit, man. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not true. It's it's like those condoms that they say like, oh, you don't feel anything. No, bro, like you, you can feel the fucking plastic on it. Let's just let's just be real with it. <laughs> so so. Try it and let me know how it goes. This is the absolute perfect time to cut the pod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Yeah. See you in the next one.